And this is your call to adventure with Ant and Luke. Beep. We are back. Back finally. It's been oh, maybe two, three months since we've done a podcast. Has no it? way. No, has it really? I reckon it has. The Call to Adventure podcast is back. We are a bit rusty, a few cobwebs. Uh, excited to be back though. It's been a long time coming. We have been on a lot of adventures in the meantime, a lot of challenges as well. But let's start it off with the question that we always start with. Anthony, when was your last Call to Adventure, mate? The last 60 hours. 60, last, 60, oh, last couple of days. Very specific. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say 48. But no, it's been the last three to four days, really. We just got back from an insane experience out in the wilderness. We were hunting deer for the first time for both of us. And I feel like that's going to be a big theme for this episode and what it meant for us and the, the big takeaways, really. But um, yeah, what what was the... The reasoning behind the hiatus. We took April off. It was a big, big month, January, February, March. And then we we gave us ourselves April off because we like pretty much smashed out eight episodes, went to Adelaide, <laughs> filmed fucking three, three to four episodes. Three in a day, yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was full on. We had an initial goal to shoot 12 episodes and we're 75% of the way through. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, the reason for the hiatus though was... I'm probably going to take ownership more or more on this because uh, a lot of the challenges that I've been facing, uh, it's been, for it's been an intense six to eight weeks, like, for just to say the least. Uh, business is booming, but it's also busy. There's a lot going on, uh, a lot of challenges within myself and my doubt and self worth. Uh, just going through the motions, I guess. There's always periods in time in your life where you are challenged. And it it's just go through the motions. Keep doing what you can do to the best of your abilities. And sort of in a way, just get it done. And for me, that's just what it's been for me. It's just like wake up, routine. Something that I sort of despise in a way and something that I teach against. Uh, you know, just being that routine life and it hasn't been that enjoyable to be completely honest being vulnerable here but you know here we are we're back i'm fucking excited to be back i'm excited to be speaking again maybe i can let some of those emotions out um and we can chat about it today but yeah that's this is actually really timely because you sharing that and i'm gonna get you to shed more light on that just for more context and for the benefit of yourself, if if you're willing, because last episode, uh, you were in a crossroads and you weren't ready to fully share the details on what it what was happening in the business because there was a lot of big changes for you personally, and then there was some big decisions to make. And we'll go into into what's been happening on my side, but for now, do you, like what's happening? What's currently happening? What's what transition are you in right now with with business? With the work. <laughs> I just don't know if it's the right time. What's what's not the right time? To share. Okay. I 
there's a lot of questions <laughs> that I'm asking myself. Uh, yeah. I know my direction and my purpose on this earth and Yeah, there's a lot of changes happening. Mm. There's a lot of changes happening as shedding of identities, becoming someone that I've always meant to be, but letting go of who I was. And I think that's fucking scary. Mm. <laughs> and even you just asking that, making it a reality again is like... What did your teacher say to you yesterday? My teacher, yeah, you told me that this change that you're going through, like she went through it a lot. Of oh, my my singing teacher, yeah, yeah, she just she just went through a similar thing where she had to change her identity mm. and career change, yeah, career. She went through a career change, yeah. So yeah, it was uh, fucking hell. She really put me on the spot here. <laughs> um, yeah, she went through a similar thing, and it's. Right now, I'm in the process, and it's the most difficult and challenging time where I am currently. Yeah. And I'm just going through the motions and sort of pushing through, and even speaking about it makes me uncomfortable as fuck. Mm. Uh, wasn't aware this would even come up, but sure enough, here it is. And yeah, I'm just fucking hell. Just changes. Yeah. Just changes. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. We can discuss that at a later date. Cool. All right. Yeah. So that's been happening. Uh, what? Oh, we've been. We went to Adelaide as well. Mm. So this is what I mean. It feels a lot longer since our last episode because we've been on a lot of uh, individual journeys and we've had a lot of other things booked in. We're in Adelaide for the weekend. We did a communications workshop with a really talented keynote speaker. You might have heard of him, Vin Jiang. So we both had the opportunity to go on stage and, and pretty much share a story that sort of molded our life thus far. What I spoke about was, at its core, it was the reason why I changed my name, or like I rebranded to from Anthony to Ant. Like I sort of have stuck with that nickname and have made it my go-to name and the story behind why that is. And it's a lot to do with, like you said, identity changes and the brand that we're sort of creating for ourselves. I think this is just going to be the fucking topic of the night, isn't it now? Just the transitions of life, really. Identity changes, the challenges that we face in order to become a new person. Like, fuck. It's challenging. There's a reason it's coming up because it's literally the theme. Yeah. And this is not how, I don't even know if you expected it to even go like this, but already we're in, in this sort of zone because I could say, ask you the same thing, man. You've literally just gone through a change yourself. Oh, yeah. Do you yeah. Want to, do you want to share about that? See, this is what I mean. It's it's so uncanny. It's so strangely in sync, like what you're going through. Completely different industry, but the theme is so similar. And I think maybe that's some weird osmosis because like we talk to each other frequently and we spend 
you know, a lot of quality time together that just things start to happen mm. similarly. We're on a pretty similar journey. But yeah, I walked away from an NFT project, was which essentially I was a part owner in. So I was pretty much had skin in, in the game. I was heavily invested in that. And I've been involved with that the last four months. And pretty much... I was using that as a safety net. And I think the theme for me and a recurring pattern that's come up is I tend to get into a lot of businesses and partnerships, which is essentially is like a business relationship with the hope that they're going to fill all the voids that I have, which the voids being like the lack of self-trust and belief in myself. So therefore you, you find it in others and then you like rely on them and lean on them. But then by doing that, you're not solving the, the stuff that's coming up for you. This is really easy to talk about now, having had the conversations in the last couple of weeks with other like partners in that project. So I'm, I feel very, very certain about it. Um, and I spoke about it with a mate on a hike yesterday about this, yeah, this recurring pattern of like going into business relationships and partnerships and then coming out of it because I'm not fully interested or fully invested in it emotionally. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that. So, um, yeah, that was that I've, um, I'm fully out of that now as of, I'd say this week, end of this week. So it's back to going all in with what I'm most passionate about. It's coaching, educating, sharing my message. Yeah. Leading others. Mm. It's very interesting. We try and provide a lot of value on this podcast and we discussed about just having a bit of fun with it tonight because we're we're not feeling 100% ourselves and and that want to to coach but it's hard not to when you literally put yourself in our shoes and you think how am i not showing up as the person i want to be it's literally you're living a a lie that you 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 put yourself in a position where you you know let's say you've discovered your purpose and then you just come up with these bullshit fucking stories that oh, I'm not going to fucking make, have clients. I'm not going to make enough money. So you distract yourself. You distract yourself with a job or with something else that interests you and it's a temporary passion. And and there's nothing wrong with that and it's completely okay. It's like, But you just you end up in the same fucking spot. You just constantly end up in that spot where you're like, why do I feel like this? Why do I feel like I'm not meant to be doing this? Because at the end of the day, deep down, you know what you should be fucking doing. Not these fucking shitty ass projects on the side. Like go all in, back yourself, go all into the inner work, learn to change, learn to be someone you're meant to be. You know, be a man of like integrity and ownership and just live your fucking truth. But sure enough, there's so many distractions in life where you're like, do this or I'll do this yeah cool now that's a distraction yeah that's a distraction yeah fuck that's a distraction so yeah like it's it's really interesting like how it all comes up and it's just yeah like this so easy to distract yourself from the truth that you should be living yeah and there's there's a lot to a lot of responsibility to take from that because if for me personally I was in a if I'm in a spot where I'm not trusting myself, I'm obviously going to be seeking distractions, other things to fill the time and my focus, which is what happened. 
the funny thing is I don't go looking for projects and and yeah I don't go specifically looking for for other projects and businesses but funnily enough they come to me because again I'm sort of seeking that distraction so um yeah so that was a really good realization to have and to just really take that on board because one theme that is is relevant for us is that idea of the goal isn't should isn't to eliminate the challenges it, like forever because these challenges are coming up over and over again for a reason and i know i used to believe that the goal was to completely not experience these challenges and problems that come up in your life so frequently but what was the what was the reframe with that like it's the opportunity to become the master of those challenges yeah so there's going to always be challenges in your life and as you said it's it's not the process of eliminating challenges completely it's raising the level of the challenge right and then the challenges you get better and better and better at and then you know by the time you die you've mastered it like you have your set challenges throughout your life that you're going to face and then by the time you die that that's mastery like your challenges will never go away and i and this is something that i've done to like a deep a deep level is tried to eliminate challenges try to live a life that's a fairy tale life where it's like this is easy this is easy this is easy this is easy and it's like fuck life would be so boring life would be fucking boring as shit if there was no challenges so it's like have the mindset that the challenges that you face you embrace and you move on and you learn from them and you grow and that's what a challenge is it's like pain is growth but yeah stop trying to eliminate them <laughs> when you said raising quality of your challenges you do that that's the effect of you raising your your quality on managing those those challenges mm-hmm. like yeah and like you said with the oh and this is this is what will mentioned in his book which we both both read is that reality will hit you harder the more you create the fantasy in your head which a fantasy that a lot of people sort of like to subscribe to is like this idea of not having any problems no money problems no relationship problems but without those problems it removes the entire meaning of the experience of life which is to experience life fully Mm. not 75 percent, not 50 percent yeah we need all of that that how's taking that on board that new perspective and reframing the idea on challenges what did that do for you because that was really a weight off my shoulders because it's like no i have to address all these problems and then i have to get rid of them before i can move forward sort of thing Mm. but now it's like no that's actually a huge fundamental part Mm. of the journey i think for me It's easy when you're not in the depth of the challenge. When you're facing the challenge head on, that just seems like a load of fucking bullshit because like right now, it's like, fuck, it doesn't feel like that. I'm aware of it and it's great to realize that. But when you're in the depths of the challenge, you're just like, that's not what you're thinking. You're not thinking, oh, this is just a temporary challenge that I'll face in the future. You're like, I want to fucking get rid of this thing ASAP. Yeah. So it's like... You're in pain, right? Yeah. And people want the the pain relievers. So that's why they buy drugs. It's yeah. an easy way. Yeah. 
and it's finding those temporary fixes, you know, gambling, fucking pornography or whatever it is, man, there's always a distraction and you just, you, you don't want to face your challenge. So it's like, cool, you, by face, not facing your challenges, it's like a belief that you're eliminating them, which is, that's denial. That's a, yeah, that's <laughs> but, an illusion in itself. Yeah. So, like it's, it is, it's good to be aware though. Like it is good to raise awareness on the fact that okay, cool, these are the challenges that I'm going to face throughout my life. How am I going to handle this better every time? And that's growth. And that's growth. Mm. Challenges. Uh, oh. The, the communication workshop. Do you want to share what you spoke about on stage? Like what moment sort of... Yeah. Noted? I think we can both quickly... Well, we don't have to quickly, you don't have to retell it, but you can just give us a little insight. Yeah, on what you, what you no, absolutely. So I guess it's sort of where my personal development journey started and how I always had a calling for more. And that calling for more had led me to a series of events that was, you know, working with coaches one-on-one and going through the, the process and, and then finally landing with our now mentor, Tom Clark, and having the epiphany, you know, only in June last year, which is almost a year now. Fucking hell. Moving up, moving up in the world. Time goes quick, but having that epiphany and realizing like what I want to do on this earth and discovering my purpose at the deepest level. And that was obviously working with men and guiding men to live a better life so they can live a live a man in be a man in power and, you know, be better for their family and for their wives and and live a life of purpose. And, you know, like being able to share that on stage. That was a cool experience, but fuck me, it's nerve-wracking up there. <laughs> was it more nerve-wracking up there or the anticipation leading up to it? For me, it was leading up to I it. I think it was leading up to it, but then it was the first time I spoke, but then I feel like you're the same as this. We're our fucking harshest critics. Like, everyone is, but me and you, <laughs> we, we are so harsh on ourselves. So, we're like up there and we're just like, yep, like, do this, do this, and then he's like, fix it, and you're like... It's like almost like a frustrating, like for fuck's sakes, like, um, but yeah, being able to share my message on on stage was a really, well, even the entire workshop, just like understanding the power of expression, yeah, yeah, and how to like storytelling and how important it is in life, being able to express, being able to communicate, being able to like attentively listen as well, like it's all part of the process, and you can literally change someone's mood or day by the way you communicate. And this is something that people should be learning more and more because it is fucking crucial in life. And that was, that's like the biggest takeaway for me, man. Like that experience and, you know, being on stage and wanting to share my story more now and, you know, get up on stage and be a keynote speaker in the future. Like, yeah, that was... To give some people insight into what happened throughout the workshop, there was content pieces, there was education, but then there was like these cool improv activities spread out throughout the workshop one of them was uh 15 minutes everyone had to go on stage and sing about 30 seconds of a song and everyone lined up picked a song and they sang their part and it was sort of an icebreaker activity but then also vin did it to prove a point and i'll get to that point in a minute but what i observed leading up to people uh, going on the mic and singing their piece. Did you notice how everyone had their phone out? Everyone was Googling lyrics and then they were looking at their Spotify playlist and everyone was starting to like overthink it. Mm. 
and I did it too. Like I was looking up lyrics on my phone and stuff because again, people want to do the best they can, have the most prep- pre- preparation they can. But by doing that, you almost like sabotage the performance. Yeah, which is what it's all about. It's like how can you provide the best performance for the viewer? Mm. But then the more you get in your head, the the less focus you're putting into the mm. people. And uh, just quickly on that, like I've been doing singing lessons for the last three months, and I've been singing the same fucking song for six weeks. And I couldn't even remember the first fucking lyric, man. Was it the Coastline song? Yeah. And I got up there and it sounded so much worse than <laughs> like I sounded. But So you've been che- you cheated. You've been practicing. Yeah, and I still fucking sucked. But that's the thing. And this is what my teacher told me is it's easy enough to learn in front of someone. But when you are thrown up in stage in front of 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 people, it's a whole different fucking yeah. ball game. A whole different ball game. And like that's the... That, it's all the overcreated anxiety in your head. Like, what are people thinking of me? What are people thinking of me? Yeah, that's a good point because that was the whole point of that exercise because when everyone finished their part and everyone got off stage, Vin comes on and was like, okay, guys, that was like awesome. Quick question. What was the song that was sang on the third, on the, for the third, third person, the fifth person, the last person, and no one could could re- recount what song it was because everyone else was too focused on the song they were going to sing. So the whole point of that is everyone is in their head. Mm-hmm. So whether you feel like you're looking like a fool on stage or in a conversation or meeting someone for the first time, just remember that they're, they're just... They're not as, thinking about you. No. <laughs> they're just in their head just as much as you are. Mm. But then it also proves the point that Active listening is such a huge tool and something to implement in your conversations because I think the stat was like 70% of your brain isn't being used in a conversation. So you got to give it something to focus on. That was a big takeaway, like active listening. And one thing that's a, there's a lot of gifts with learning about communication, but the curse is the hyper awareness that you have going back into the world and then having conversations and then seeing people speak on stage. And... (laughs) To tie this in with a hunting trip, like one of the guys, like such good guys, man, like they're so knowledgeable in their field and hunting, but communication, you wouldn't catch them going to a communication workshop. They're just not interested in that. Mm. They're, they're out there mastering hunting. But did you notice, uh, Dave, we spoke about this, how every time we spoke to him, he would like look up and down at our, Mm. (laughs) at like the left side of our shoulder or like our shirt. And it completely caught us off guard and we ended up not listening to him because there's a, a simple nuance like your eye contact will completely distract the person listening to you mm. because they're going like, wait, what are you looking what at? What the fuck's on my shirt? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but again, we're going into our head and we're so self-interested in what's, what's potentially up with us that we're not even listening to him. But mm. again, it was of his doing, which again, he was completely unaware of, which a lot of us aren't aware of, of, oh, of how we speak it's crazy to think how unconscious we are of the way we communicate mm. there's so many tactics and tips to create a better conversation and to be a better listener but like mainly to be a better speaker it'll it it fries your brain like there's too much to even consider but like along along the path of human history like our communication skills have just gotten i would say like they're worse definitely but it's just we don't even consider it, like how important it is. It's so important to 
better this and yeah you like you don't realize it like it's something that you wouldn't even think you wouldn't even think hey like if i communicate better in a better more efficient way like i can have better conversations or i can listen better or, or i could tell a story better and i can captivate people better and i can hold their attention for longer you know it's just like you wouldn't think of that you yeah. wouldn't think of that but then tie it into the fact that communication can literally increase your sales it can increase the love in your life you know it can increase all the relationships that you have with all these people to a higher standard and you just a better way of life just through communication yeah quality yeah quality of quality of relationships business clients uh one huge aspect to to that or one big takeaway from the workshop is yeah you can get better at speaking by like just tweaking the subtle things like your body language if you put your both arms up you're naturally going to speak a lot louder because you're bigger um so it's it's that physiology psychology connection where you can like sort of trick your body or you can trick your mind into amplifying the sound that you make physically uh, there's little little things like that which apply to what we've already been learning, but one aspect that Vin applies in his teaching is is the concept of theater with communication and improv. And if you think about it, every conversation that you have is an act of improv because mm. you're not unless unless you're a robot and you have everything planned on what you're gonna say when you meet someone, which is very uncommon. It's a, if you think about it, it's a simple act of improv. So. Literally uh, like this conversation we're having right now. Yeah, this is improv. But I I didn't... For this one, we didn't write any notes. We don't write any notes in any of them. No. Really, we just sort of let our conversations flow and it just sort of leads to more this. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I mean. So, having that awareness of, of treating a conversation as improv, you can start to have a lot more fun with it. You can be a lot more relaxed about it. But then, applying the technical skills that creates a better quality uh, conversation. What's one tip, little tip you would give to someone listening to improve their communication skills? People like to think that their communication is solely based on their accents and slang and they think that they can't change the way they speak. One takeaway and one thing you can apply is just being more articulate with your with your words. Uh, you want to like talk like an, uh, a very posh British monarchy, like you're in the royal family and really articulate your R's and all of that. Uh, so for example, if I was to, if I was to read what's on my whiteboard, I'd be like mirror behavior, like really mirror emphasize, behavior. emphasize the words. Cause when I naturally talk to friends and, and to you, I'm being real casual with my words, especially Australians. Like we're just like yeah, Aussies, right. mate, yeah, mate, yeah, mate. yeah, yeah. So that's why Americans are like, "What mm. are you saying?" Yeah. <laughs> so that's one for me. How about you? Mm. Pause for effect. Oh, that's so powerful. When you're communicating with someone, and you're telling a really important story, the main part of it doesn't really matter. But when you come in for a pause, it draws effect. And it gives people time to listen to what you've been saying. So it's like, chuck a quick pause in. 
I just let that sink in for you. And then again. Or if you said something real, real sad and then you pause on that, what's the last emotion that I'm going to sit with? Sad. So I'm really going to feel that part mm. of that story or whatever you're telling me. Mm. And look, the thing is, it, it's going to feel uncomfortable as fuck. You're going to be chucking in pauses like this. And right now that feels really forced for me, but you actually think, fuck, okay, cool. Like unconsciously, you're just like, oh, cool. Like I understand what he said now because he's let me fucking breathe. Instead of me talking like this for the entire time, you wouldn't even know what's fucking coming up. I just keep saying the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And you wouldn't have a clue what I was fucking saying because I didn't pause. Right? So like, and a lot of people will speak fast and that's fine. But if you can allow the pause in for an important moment, even just to let it, like, it doesn't even have to be an important moment, just sort of when the sentence finishes and just let it sink in. Yeah. That's a simple trick. Yeah. The last, the last thing that you spoke about and the emotion tied with that is the last thing that person's going to sit with mm. during that pause. Yeah. The longer you hold that pause, the longer they have to really, viscerally mm. feel that. Yeah. So yeah, it's real powerful. I feel or, like at the start of the, <laughs> yeah, at the start of this when I was in my emotional state then, like you can feel it. Yeah. You can feel that emotion. It just sits with you. Yeah. One, so one thing you can think about is like, why can, why can we be in a cinema, watch a movie on a screen that's not even happening in real life yet feel all the emotions on a 2D surface? Mm. You know, our, our brain is genetically hardwired to pinpoint everything that's occurring emotionally facial features body language like we're primed to to know that because that's how we communicated before words mm. so face yeah body language is again another one mm. um and yeah one thing that we've learned is that uh that physiology psychology connection if you are one one individual to to increase the i guess the happiness within his team he got them to put a a pen and clench it between their bottom and top teeth and then it tricked them to feel happier because that mimics a smile right yeah mm. yeah and it's like the same with transformer where if you sit there you sit up proud and you smile you know really high like try and feel try and feel sad when you're like that yeah. you can't it's impossible it's a physiology of excellence right it's like if you're sitting like this and you're like this you're going to feel fucking depressed. Mm. So it's like, it's just like, you can literally just do that to change your mood. And it's like, if you walk out like big chest, you're going to look confident. And that's like the big egos in, in business, you know, like the SEOs, the big players, like the big ballers, mate. If I can walk around like this, they're like, I'm King Kong motherfucker. Mm. But like, if you have them one-on-one, <laughs> they'll fucking crumble. Like if we had a conversation with these guys and we start talking about the shit that's going on inside, they'd fucking crumble. Because they're just like these cocky, arrogant motherfuckers. Like they, don't, they wouldn't know what's going on. But like, but you think they're confident. It's like, because they stand that way. They also probably feel confident. And that, yeah, the more and they, they do. do and they back it. Mm. They, they, fuck, they believe it. They fucking believe it. They are confident motherfuckers. But that's like, cool. They, and they like, I, I mean, I, I don't really know the depths of what to what they do, but... You see in movies and they're talking to themselves in the mirror like first thing, like, I'm a bad motherfucker. Like, you're going to nail this. Like, yeah. Like, you know, those positive affirmations. And they walk around and it, man, it works. Yeah. It fucking works. Well, someone who does that versus someone who just goes, oh shit, I'm so nervous. Fuck, I just mm. want to get 
Yeah. Who's going to perform better? Yeah, absolutely. Gonna, yeah, absolutely. So it makes sense to practice these and implement these things. Mm. There was a lot to take on board, but immediately coming out of the workshop, like I applied it, you applied it, and you already received positive feedback. People notice these things. Mm. The smallest, smallest mm. shift in... Mm in how you communicate can lead to yeah compounding benefits and this is the thing it's one of those things where nobody does it nobody actually works on their communication skills like you might go to the gym to work on your fitness or your health you you, you start a business to increase your income but like communication is such an important skill that nobody does it so when you start showing up with this new profound confidence in your speech and with these new tactics and tips you don't need to fucking change it much at all you could just add some volume and people are just whoa okay cool like, confident something different i'm drawn to that instead of like someone like hey how you going you know like it's really cool to be on this podcast right now um having a good time you know just stoked that you're listening like you'd fucking lose interest straight away wouldn't you yeah that's the the tone rate of speech there's so many things. We're probably overwhelming the listeners. But if you're inter- inter- interested in this stuff, Vin Zhang, we will definitely um, drop a tag in the in the bio. We're also going to get him on the podcast. Is that potential? Have we asked him yet? He's interested. He's interested. Just when when timelines sync up. Yeah, he when will definitely timeline. be on. But yeah, potential podcast guest. Um, but yeah, look him up. Legend. Fucking, he's a legend. Great guy. Um, really powerful speaker. Good teacher. Um, definitely look into him. Literally got to witness people transform on stage. It was really cool. Mm. Hunting trip. Hunting trip? Yeah. Because it's so recent, I feel like it's... It's fresh in the mind. Yeah, it's fresh in the mind. It's a good time to talk about. I've I've sort of reflected quite a bit on it, my takeaways from it. All right, I'm going to ask you a question. Let me think of something on the spot here. Go. What was the most difficult thing about the hunting trip? The, the most difficult thing? was the fear I created in my head, which is like an illusion at the end of the day, because I was, and I, and I parroted this before I was dreading the, the act of shooting the deer. So we were hunting deer. And because we spent 48 hours in the wilderness and which was awesome. Like we woke up at 4.45, we started our day, climbed up the mountains so we could sort of time the hunt. And you ended up going with one guy. I went with the other guy. And we, yeah, we were really, really present in the environment that we we're hunting, hunting in. We were learning at the same time. And I don't know about you, but I felt this like new sense of connection to, to the animals that were in the environment. But then also learning about the natural law that happens with thermal winds and sunrise sunset and how certain uh terrains can tell you which one's north and south and where the animals would go because that's what keeps them safe but going through that experience and just building this connection and appreciation for the land first that made it a lot harder going into the hunt because i was like shit i've seen these these animals right in front of me i'm seeing like baby deers with its mum. i'm seeing like these innocent creatures and then I think that's the, the downfall of, of the modern human is because we're so emotional and we get so in our head. 
And back then there was no room for that because it was life or death. Mm. You think about feeling sorry for an animal, you don't go home and eat. Before, yeah, but without conditioning, would you reckon you would have had that? No. So like the, this is the big thing at the moment is, you know, we've talked to people about going hunting and like I've had, you know, pretty fair feedback, but a lot of people question it. I remember when I bought some stuff from Anaconda, I told the lady about going hike, uh, fucking hell, going camp, oh my goodness, (laughs) going hunting. And she's like, oh, you're going hunting. I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, what are you hunting for? I'm like, deer. She's like, oh. I'm like, oh, do you eat meat? She's like, yeah. So I go, I didn't like challenge or anything. I just thought to myself, like, cool. So you eat meat in a packet from coals that it's like farmed animals, but you, you're like against hunting. Like it doesn't really make sense. But like that's the belief systems of people at the moment, isn't it? They go, oh, hunting, gross. And this is how far away we are connected from nature. So like that's the reality that you created in your head, which created the fear. But as you got out there, you were like, no, this is like, right. Yeah. That's the, the term ignorance is bliss was, is pretty relevant with the conversation we had going into the hunting trip. People were just fully okay. with just not knowing where their food is sourced from. People don't want to get their hands covered in blood and cut up guts and stuff, which is what we had to do, which is a whole nother mental challenge for myself but yeah to answer your question with the biggest fear going into it or the biggest challenge i had was yeah the the conditioning the beliefs prior to going into it the thought that i had in my head prior to to shooting the deer is like yes i had to kill it i'm gonna have to get real up front dirty and cut it up like that's something i'm i'm not familiar with at all like i had I had a fear around a small bloody animal in mice. So like stepping it up to an animal that's like twice my size. Yeah, that was, it was scary in the moment. But then having actually gone through it, shot the animal, said thank you to it and just appreciated everything that I've learned coming to that, that act of shooting it. It was, yeah, it was nothing. The fear was, was nothing that I suspected in the first place you sort of remove that as Mm. you as you do it Mm. all right and then one other one what is what was the most unexpected thing about the trip for you unexpected thing i didn't expect the the fellow hunters to be so no, you know what? This is this is on me because I totally disregarded this, but I thought these guys were... Well, going into hunting and hunters in general, I thought they were all for the sport, just for the fun and just for the thrill and the pleasure that you get out of hunting. But these guys literally live and breathe hunting. And not just hunting, the appreciation for, for nature and the earth. Like, they are so educated. They've done their... 20 40 years of learning of research and when we talk about this concept of time on the mat for mma fighter their time on the mat is time on the land Mm. like they've done that Mm. well they started pete started at two two and a half being in new zealand new zealand's a lot more hunting friendly Mm. and it's like very common there so he's started at two so he's been doing it for over 40 years it's a crazy amount of time they're the most connected that will ever be to animals to food, 
to sustainability they're the they're they're the ones who could preach because mm. they see that shit they live mm. that stuff and then you can sort of question it and you go okay cool they do hunt for the biggest stag they do want the biggest uh kill they can get with the horns are they horns antennas antlers antlers fucking antennas <laughs> <laughs> um but they don't they're like they're not the ones buying packeted meat and like abusing the system like they're the ones out there in the in the wild like and they've done it their entire life it's not like they're just doing it to hunt game like that's their lifestyle you know they eat 95 percent of what they hunt and it's like okay cool man like i respect that like i don't I, there's nothing that i could say that would make me feel like no like what they're doing is wrong because it's not they're literally just doing it for an income and to eat and to survive. That's like they're providing. They survive, they eat, they hunt. That's all they do. It's also what they love to do. They love it. At the steepest level, they yeah. love this, man. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I'd agree with you on that. It's unexpected. Unexpected. What was your biggest challenge going into it? Enduring. My biggest challenge going into it? I didn't feel I was challenged going into it. During it, my challenge would have been sort of raising that awareness, as you just spoke about with these guys, is raising the awareness that this is something that's really special to me. I'm doing this because I want to hunt for my food and I want to learn to like be able to live on the land. So raising that awareness that like this isn't a sport, this is like you're out here to hunt like for your food and you're here to hunt to provide and like getting into that lifestyle of a hunter i think like raising that awareness was the challenge for me and then being out there and it just sort of clicked into gear i was like fuck that's exactly what i want like i don't want to come out and kill a deer every week and fucking you know not eat it or whatever like it's purely just for the sake of hunting um i didn't really have too many challenges man like maybe how fucking tiring it was (laughs) Like, it's a new level of tiring because you, I mean, you get up real early, you spend three to four hours on the hunt, you come back, you pretty much nap for an hour and a half because you've just walked 10Ks, then you, you get up and you're tired again, and then you go out and you spend another three to four hours out on the hunt and it's getting cold and, you know, you're walking and you're doing another 10Ks and and you got to be, and you end. So the mental fatigue of not making a noise in the forest, fuck me. That is difficult. You're stepping on sticks and branches and as soon as you hear it, deers are gone, like within 200 meters. When you're out there in nature and there is no sound, as soon as you step on a fucking twig, deers hear it, they know and they're, and they're used to people hunting them. And they're, so they're smart motherfuckers. They're like, I think the third smartest animal after humans and lion and cats, is it? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's what I was told. So it was like humans, cats, and then deer were like the third smartest. So they're smart motherfuckers. There's a reason why they've survived the test of time. Yeah. And they're prey animals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, like that was definitely the biggest challenge for me was being a big fucker like myself and then not trying to make a noise on these branches. And you get used to it. You do. But it's it's challenging. How are the knees? The knees are sore. The knees are sore. Yeah. It's walking uphill on an incline, walking sideways, your feet and ankle are bending, not used to this sort of, you know, this sort of walking and fitness. It's a different fitness. You got, I got a guy in front of me that's almost 50 and he's flying ahead of me. He's walking on grass like it's fucking air. 
And I'm just like trying to keep up without trying to make a noise. It's almost impossible. And this guy's like, yeah, how are you feeling? And I'm like, fuck, I just walked 10K. He's like, yeah. Yeah, different type of conditioning. Yeah, different type of conditioning. That's, uh, and this also raises a good point. Our ancestors and these hunter-gatherers back then deserve so much more credit mm. for what they don't have in, I guess, the modern-day IQ. They make up for being so in tune with their senses and the the just the awareness and how resourceful they were and how resourceful they were with what they had like maybe just like you know a knife and a bow and arrow or knife bow and arrow you know just even bare hands back in the day mm. just still being going going out there not having the camo not having the backpack the camel back not having all the fancy tools and this but this was an interesting one that Tom said What's your perspective on how old these motherfuckers lived to? Because my original perspective on how old our ancestors lived to was like maybe 50, 60. But how old did he say that they lived to? I don't know, centurions maybe? Yeah, they were like, they lived to 100 and 110. But you don't hear about that. You don't hear about how the way they used to live was actually just as beneficial as the way we live now, if not better. Mm. Oh, and this is a topic that we spoke about on the ride home is, well, what's changed? It was so much more abundant with our resources, but then that could also be a drawback. And mm. I labeled it a disease in itself mm. because where does like the number one rate or source of disease come from? It's like the sugars, it's the overeating, it's... What's well, dis-ease, isn't it? Yeah. You know, when you put it simply, it's dis-ease. So you're filling yourself with sugar, you're filling yourself with fatty foods, you're filling yourself with shitty foods. You know, and that's just the physical side of things. Like the, like, and this was this was the good one that we 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 talked about, is abundance. Everything. What? How would I say that? Everything in, like, everything in ex, in excessive force, is no good. So it's like cool abundance, something that's like really positive. But you go okay, but if I have an abundance of clients, is that too many clients? If I have an abundance of work, is that too much work? If I have an abundance in money. Am I really in line with my purpose in life? There's always the opposite, right? And the big one for me is like how simple life is back then. It's hunt for your food, you fuck and you fight, right? It's so simple. And now our lives are just fucking chaos. And mine especially, I can safely say that it's, you know, 50 phone calls a day. It's That's, that's an abundance of phone calls. That's not healthy. Like my mind's fried. So it's like, maybe we, we're we not doing it right. <laughs> maybe these ancestors of ours knew what they were doing better than we do. There's a real reality in that. I'm not, all, I'm not one for cliches because, again, they could be very broad in general, but the saying you can't have too much of a good thing this is a very relevant and sound argument, especially with the modern world because everything's in abundance. Information you can get or any anything you want to know, you can get in seconds. Same with food. Same with TV shows. Like our, our biggest problem is deciding what to eat, deciding what to watch, deciding what to distract ourselves with. The more options we have, the more there is to distract ourselves mm. from the the simple necessities in life. And I think that's 
a big reason why I wanted to do this trip is to actually have the reminder, but actually experience what it's like out there when you remove the the modern day distractions. Like you keep it very minimal. I think that's why they call it the simple life out there mm. because it's the most simplified way of living. Mm. But then it's also the opposite, isn't it, right? It's like an, an abundance of simplicity creates boredom. Yeah. Right? And the life that we're conditioned to now is, you know, me and you, we want to build a legacy. We want to build something huge. But we also want that simplicity. So it's like have the balance between both. It's all about a balance. I This is what I mean because we experience the extreme, you know, city life, living in Melbourne, which is an awesome city. But then you experience the other extreme, just going out into three hours out into the country, no signal. Uh, the closest store is like 45 to an hour out. And that's why you take take whatever you get from that, apply it to, to the old world, and then you create this new perspective, this mm. new way of, of how you want to live. That's, all, that's what it's all about. There's no right or wrong. No, absolutely. It's like for me, I feel like it's for you as well. It's like bring the simplicity to the chaos because life is chaos and it, Probably will be chaotic for a long time unless you want to go live out in the land, which I don't want to do. Yeah, not yet. But it's like sure. bring the simplicity to the chaos. Learn to balance both because I know I want both and I know the sort of person that I am. I need both because, you know, one of my challenges is being balanced and I'm always in the chaotic state. So it's like bringing that simplicity into my life, but also still pursuing my goals and ambitions. I remember a moment during the hunt. I when you went off with Pete to do the stalking. I went off with Dave and we did a sit and wait, which is a hunt pretty much, as this, as it's literally said, you sit and and observe uh, any sort of life or animals in in the in the woods. So you're not necessarily hunting and stalking as you would in a regular hunt. But we sat on this cliff face overlooking the horizon. We had a really good vantage point. We were high up, so we have a good look at the surroundings and any doe coming down for a feed. And we sat there in silence for about an hour, just looking into the sunset and the tree line. And Dave just talked about this thing as if it was... Like, that was just protocol. That was just the norm. But then I was just thinking, like, this is the purest form of meditation we're not talking you all you're doing is just surrounding yourself in the science of the woods and the wilderness being in nature being present because you got to focus on your surroundings and i was just like man this is where these guys would get so mentally and spiritually in tune because they're just in this meditative state like it's all all different forms of of finding stillness but that that was there for me that was really cool to observe mm. it's a, yeah it's an interesting how did you feel after the sit and wait i got antsy i was itchy i was like picking at leaves and looking at centipedes in the bark but it really made me look at the finer details like looking looking at the the branches and how they like break off looking at the patterns of the leaves like are you you don't the last time the last time you probably do that is when you're a kid, when you're just fiddling with with the grass and the sticks when you're sitting down outside for like PE class. And yeah, it was just, it, it reminded me of that, which was really cool. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was a fucking awesome experience. I 
definitely recommend anyone really get into it, specifically men, but if women want to, or to their own. But as a man going into something like that, for me, it was fucking powerful to be able to come back. I didn't, I didn't shoot anything, but that's part of the experience, you know. You yeah. got close. I got close, you? yeah. But you don't always, you don't always get your kill, and that's that's part of the hunt. But um, being out in nature and being out on the hunt for food and that provider's role, uh, made me feel. It made me feel more like a man. That's, to put it as simply as I can, that's what it made me feel more like. It made me feel more like I was in my masculine, because hunting is an act of masculine masculinity. Um, but yeah, like highly recommend something like that. Get out in nature. Even if you just get out in nature and like you go on a like a simulation hunt where you don't hunt anything, it's the fucking experience of a lifetime. One thing I realize as well is like this is literally our backyard. Like we live in Australia, Victoria. How f- lucky do we can we be to have this only like three hours outside? Mm. And it's yeah. And uh, like a lot of us talk about wanting to go on holidays and see the world, but we haven't even seen our backyard. Yeah, that was that was a big reminder for hey, me. Me and you have started though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been putting a lot of fucking effort into this state. Uh, my friend asked me like, oh, talking about goals and stuff, and I'm like, yeah. What's your question? He's like, are you, like, are you on track with your goals and stuff? Have you been doing what what you said you want to do? And at the start of the year, we said we wanted to go X amount of ventures and just like explore more. And it's so quick to disregard that, but far out. We've been going on, on so many adventures. Yeah. It's been full on. It's actually been full on. To actually, like, when you think about it, to do 24 adventures in a year is a fucking big task. Like, is, that, is that what you wrote down? 24? 24 every two weeks, yeah. Sounds, <laughs> yeah, but I, did, I didn't realize the extent to how much, like, our adventures are, though. Like, they're, like, two to three day adventures. It's not just oh yeah, go on a day trip. Like we haven't done, I don't think we've done a day trip. Maybe one, but yeah, like thinking about it, it's like, fuck, that's, it's heavy duty, man. Yeah. And there's no force behind it. We sort of set a target without an attachment, but naturally it's just put us in direction of just leaning into the stuff we want to do. The call, like it, it's, it's been a massive calling. Mm. Yeah. To do these adventures. Yeah, exactly. It's like you, you write down these goals and, the fact that we've implemented maybe eight to nine already it's because we wrote down those goals and we put it down to a okay we're going to do this like we're going to have a crack at this and you know we set down 12 potties we're going to absolutely obliterate that but you know if we only get 20 adventures fuck that's still a fair effort that's 20 more than I did last year (laughs) yeah and there's like achieving a goal which is great but the whole selling point for me was I know going into these things that we haven't done before that's that's literally the one way street to getting new perspective perspective is just like seeing something from a new angle and us going out into the wilderness is a completely new angle for us to see uh, a way of doing things which was hunting and yeah so rewarding coming out of it Mm. and Oh man, Tom says this too, but like there's so many lessons and metaphors in nature itself that you just apply because it, it's just 
yeah. it's it's life, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is indeed. What's the next call to adventure for you, Ant? For me personally, but for also for you, is camping oh, at camping. Wilson's prom. We're going camping this, this weekend. <laughs> at Wilson's prom, which is a place I've I've been yearning to go. Maybe we do a camp potty in a tent, mate. Yeah, we could do Maybe. that. Maybe. Maybe. See how we go. Well, we had such deep, insightful conversations during the, the yeah. hunt. Yeah, in the did. car rides. Especially just... being out there. So much comes up, man. So mm. much comes up. Mm. That's the next one. And then there's going to be a winter retreat. There's going to be... There's a lot coming yeah, up. There's a lot coming up, but... There's also a lot to to overcome and to tackle... There's a lot of to, uh, there's a lot to unpack over the next few weeks. There'll be some more clearer decisions made. There'll be some more big fucking decisions made, um, and I'll be able to reveal more than more to that in the next coming weeks. It's just not the right time just yet. Yeah. So One thing's for sure is like this podcast is it's a it's documenting your your and myself yeah absolutely journey apart from these like fun adventures which yeah. is cool to talk about yeah but i like i see you you feel challenged i felt challenged on the previous episode mm. but this is some real shit yeah i think it's fucking good to do this i think this is why there was resistance towards it is because i knew maybe unconsciously that i'd have to unpack a few of these things but oh you thought that no you thought that <laughs> but it's been a long time since we've done one and just, you just forget that it's actually space to really like to be vulnerable it is for me <laughs> like i don't really give a fuck who's listening <laughs> this is like it's a like healing space for me you know so yeah mm. but i do love you if you are listening <laughs> <laughs> cool that's it let's wrap it up yeah cool there's uh i think this is episode nine so we're closing in on that double digit. Fuck, have we done eight already? Yep. We are. So. Yeah, it'll be so. Hopefully we can sign some big name guests that we've been in contact with. Now I'll have to be reaching out after, you know, getting sort of a commitment from someone. The big question is, when's our next episode? Well, it could be this weekend. Mm. But if we're back to weekly. Yeah? You're back to weekly. Yeah. Cool. You heard it from the big man himself. <laughs> Alright guys, thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you on socials. Any adventures coming up for you? Are you gonna are you gonna share a bit bit on um your hunting experience? Like on your socials? Um maybe. Yeah. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. But um even if you have challenges, feel free to reach out. We're happy to chat. Yeah, for sure. Alright guys, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Much love. Ciao ciao.